turn your Bibles to Ezekiel chapter 33. I'll begin reading at verse 10 to the end of the chapter. Have you said, Surely our transgressions and our sins are upon us, and we rot away because of them? How then can we live? Say to them, As I live, declares the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn back. Turn back from your evil ways, for why will you die, O house of Israel? And you, son of man, say to your people, The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him when he transgresses. And as for the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall by it when he turns from his wickedness. And the righteous shall not be able to live by his righteousness when he sins. Though I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, if yet if he trusts in his righteousness and does injustice, none of his righteous deeds shall be remembered. But in his injustice that he, is, that he has done, he shall die. Again, though I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, and yet if he turns from his sin and does what is just and right, if the wicked restores the pledge, and gives back what was taken by robbery, and walks in the statutes of life, not doing injustice, he shall surely live, he shall not die. None of the sins that he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is just and right, he shall surely live. Yet your people say, the way of the Lord is not just, when it is their own way that is not just. When the righteous turns from his righteousness and does injustice, he shall die for it. And when the wicked turns from his wickedness and does what is just and right, he shall live by this. Yet you say, the way of the Lord is not just, O house of Israel. I will judge each of you according to his ways. In the twelfth year of our exile, in the tenth month, on the fifth day of the month, a fugitive from Jerusalem came to me and said, The city has been struck down. Now the hand of the Lord had been upon me the evening before the fugitive came, and he had opened my mouth by the time the man came to me in the morning, so my mouth was open, and I was no longer mute. The word of the Lord came to me. Son of man, the inhabitants of these waste places in the land of Israel keep saying, Abraham was only one man, yet he got the possession of the land, but we are many. The land is surely given us to possess. Therefore say to them, thus says the Lord God, you eat flesh with the blood and lift up your eyes to your idols and shed blood. Shall you then possess the land? You rely on the sword, you commit abominations, and each of you devours his neighbor's wife. Shall you then possess the land? 
Say to them, thus says the Lord God, as I live, surely those who are in the waste places shall fall by the sword, and whoever is in the open field I will give to the beast to be devoured, and those who are in the strongholds in the caves shall die by pestilence. And I will make the land a desolation and a waste, and her proud might shall come to an end, and the mountains of Israel shall be so desolate that none shall pass through. Then they will know that I am the Lord, when I have made the land a desolation and a waste because of all their abominations that they have committed. As for you, son of man, your people who talk together about you by the walls and the doors of their houses, come, say to one another, each to his brother, come and hear what the word is that comes from the Lord. And they come to you as a people come, and they sit before you as my people, and they hear what you say, but they will not do it. For with lustful talk in their mouths they act. Their heart is set on their gain. And behold, you are to them like one who sings lustful songs with a beautiful voice and plays well on an instrument. For they hear what you say, but they will not do it. When this comes, and come it will, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. Heavenly Father, the grass withers, the flower fades and falls to the ground, but your word remains forever. Bless its reading and its exposition to our understanding. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I was very pleased, as Jay was, as he made the announcement of the, uh, of the uh, successful fundraiser of the Women's Fellowship uh, last week. And thank, thank John and Marianne again for opening their home for the Women's Fellowship. But it's all, always a great joy of, my, of the year for me when we do that uh, fundraiser. And um, the, the final, final tally of how much was raised has not come in. It's well over $1,000, I understand. <coughs> it's probably closer to 2000 but the uh, that that ministry uh, loving choices which is so dedicated to saving lives is uh, something that is very dear to our heart at, at covenant church and giving these young women who find themselves in in a situation where they have a crisis pregnancy and where the whole world is tempting them to do the expedient thing uh, to uh, end the life of their unborn child, they are given the opportunity um, through this ministry to choose life. Choose life not only for their unborn child, but to choose life for themselves. Because it is a brave, courageous act to choose life in, the, in this world which which uh, is so focused on self-advancement and self-satisfaction. Um, um, and and it's, it is such an evidence of the gospel that there is uh, this ministry and there is this support because it's a recognition of how vital um, life is because it is such a precious, precious gift. And it really is um, uh, 
uh, analogous to the gospel. It is an extension of the gospel and convinced, and I think that's uh, why it's so important to support it and, and I'm grateful that we do at such a level, not only in our monthly budget and in our yearly um, uh, fundraisers that we have several times a year for it. But this is exactly the question that Ezekiel puts to his fellow Jews from his place in exile as he prophetically speaks the word that he has given to them. Why will you die? Why do you choose death when God offers life? Like his fellow Jews, Daniel and Daniel's companions, Hananiah, uh, Meshach, and Azariah, they're in the vanguard that has already been taken captive from Jerusalem and transported to Babylon. And the message back to, uh, to Judah from Ezekiel is the same message that Jeremiah, who is still in Judah, if you read the parallel book, Jeremiah, you'll know that he is still there and how he suffers so mildly because his word is rejected that they should go into exile. And the people there plot against him and constantly seek to kill him. Ezekiel, in some ways, has it easier in his day-to-day -day life, although from chapter 3 until this chapter, we know that his daily Life has been that a one of a being mute. God said you can't speak uh, in private or in your home. I'm of the opinion that he must have spoken because God commanded him to speak prophetically um, throughout throughout those chapters. Um, but but in his day to day life, he was he was struck mute. But the message is the same. The only way that you can be saved is to go into exile. And to stop this foolish, foolish rebellion against Nebuchadnezzar. Because he's coming with his army and he's going to tear it all down. Because of your sinful rebellion. Choose life. Do not choose death. That's the message of Ezekiel. That's the message of uh, Jeremiah and all the prophets. Take the punishment that you have earned. Let the land lay fallow. Let the temple go because you have defiled it until I bring you back. This has been the message. This has been the constant refrain. Chapter 33, this passage, uh, with one little exception to the end of the chapter, marks a turn in the book of Ezekiel. The constant message of judgment, 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 that will fall, all of a sudden turns to a message of hope. And that hope is submitting to the word of God that came from his 
prophets. It is now not just judgment, 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 not only upon Judah and, and the surrounding nations, it is now a message of hope, of the hopeful promise of them being restored, first and foremost to the Lord, and then to the land, and then to the worship of the temple. And it is a glorious vision that is Ezekiel's uh, is given to that effect from here to the end of Ezekiel. But back to the question. What is, what is the way of life? The way of life is the opposite of the way of death. And it is underlined by the rhetorical question, why will you die? Why will you die, O house of Israel? Don't you want to live? It's such an easy text for the preacher. It should be such an e easy text. Why, why will you die forever? If you're, if you're lost and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, and you hear the free offer of the gospel that Jesus saves sinners, why would you reject such a message? Why will you die? It underlines that the first step of salvation is to come to the place where you understand that I am a sinner. Not just a sinner, I am the sinner. My condition is hopeless and helpless apart from God's mercy. This is what the people said. Look at the way they put it in verse 10. We rot away because of our sins. We rot away. How can we live? And God tells them, I have no pleasure in your death. I have no pleasure in your judgments. The whole purpose of, of my judgment is to get you to the place where you recognize your sin and how desperate your condition is and how hopeless your condition is apart from God's mercy. Turn, turn back from your evil ways. For why will you die? That, that word turn in Hebrew is the same word that's translated in other places, repent. Repent, change. In the New Testament, it has a fuller expression. The word repentance is metanoia, which means change your mind. Change your mind. Change your, your, your heart. Your whole orientation from death to life. In verses 12 through 16 of our text, Ezekiel describes through his prophetic word the way of death. What is the way of death? I'll summarize these verses by saying it is trusting in your own righteousness. Here, here's such a gospel text in the middle of Ezekiel. 
The righteous, look at verse 12. The righteousness of the righteous shall not deliver him when he transgresses. Do you see it? Your personal righteousness is as filthy rags in the sight of God. You can do nothing to earn your salvation in the presence of God. You are not able to live by your own righteousness. <clears throat> Look at verse 13. Though I say to the righteous, he shall surely live. Yet if he trust in his own righteousness, and the result of trusting in your own righteousness does injustice, none of his righteous deeds will be remembered. That is, that is contrary to all human understanding. If you survey humanity, apart from those who are rooted and grounded in the gospel of grace, you will always get an answer to the question, why, why should you go to heaven? Some kind of answer that I've been a pretty good person. R.C. Sproul used to keep a notebook and he'd ask people that that's how he did, that's how he did evangelism. If you were to die today and you were to stand before God and he were to say to you, how, how, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? And, it, and he, he kept a, a record of, of uh, the answers in a notebook. And he said, over time, of the hundreds of people he shared that truth with, over 80% answered with some form of a works righteousness answer. I've been in the hospital room many times. Someone's being wheeled off for open heart surgery and I'm desperate to share the gospel. <clears throat> How do you think you're going to go to heaven? Well, I've been pretty good. And then the nurse, the, the bell rings and they're gone and I'm in terror. I didn't get to finish. No! The only way to be righteous is to have the Lord's mercy and forgiveness through the person of Jesus. There is no other way. And that's what, and, and this is the gospel in the Old Testament. It's the same gospel in the New Testament. We, we have it just fully revealed to us in the New Testament. The Lord that is spoken of here is no less than the Lord Jesus pre-incarnate before he came incarnate that we celebrate this season so much, which we should celebrate every day, by the way. There will be many religious people, many who think they are righteous in an internal hell. Jesus taught this over and over again in his ministry. In chapter 18 of Luke's gospel, he tells a parable about a Pharisee and a tax collector. Actually, he told it, it says in verse 9, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Sounds like Ezekiel, right? 
and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. I tell you that this man went down to his house justified. Self-righteousness, thinking that you're a good person, giving alms, doing religious activities will not save you. In fact, it is the way of death. Why will you die trusting in your own righteousness and in your own goodness? Why will you not rather put your faith and trust in the finished work? of salvation that God has brought about in fulfillment of Ezekiel's and all of the prophets' prophecies. How can you be saved then? Not through your own righteousness, but solely through the righteousness that God gives through Christ. Conversion. Our salvation has two sides. It, uh, someone, someone has described it as a two-sided a two, uh, coin. One coin, but it has two aspects. And the one is the emphasis of Ezekiel here, and it's repentance. On that one side of the coin is repentance, and the, on the other side of that same coin is faith. They, they go together. Both are the gift of God. Faith is the gift of God. But the result of faith is always repentance. True faith always produces true repentance. Um, you see that here in verse 15. In verse 14, And I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. Yet if he turns, there's that word, turn, repents from his sin and does what is just and right if the wicked restores the pledge gives back what he's taken by robbery and walks by the statutes of life not doing injustice he shall surely live he shall not die <laughs> that's good news why will you die when there's the offer of grace and the offer of forgiveness why will you die the mark of true repentance is I, I repent, I, I, I turn from uh, the wickedness that I've been controlled by. Whether it's stealing, or whether it's lying, or whether it's uh, sexual immorality of all kinds, all the th idolatry, all the things that are mentioned here that are so very present at all times. Faith without repentance is not faith. It is a mere profession. And the justice of God 
demands full satisfaction. And that can only come through the person of Jesus. The perfect, eternal Son of God. The perfect, eternal Son of David. David's greater son who fulfilled what all the kings couldn't fulfill. Even the greatest of King David is surpassed by his greater son, Jesus. <clears throat> because what is at stake is the character of God and what he has done. The, the justice of God. You see the justice of God. This is something that, that human beings have never liked. Why must I be saved the way God says I must be saved in no other way? And the question always arises: what about the, what the heathen in the far distant reaches of, of the islands or Africa? What about them? Have they never heard? Well, the Bible says clearly they have in Romans. You can read it. Well, things in my life have been bad. I mean, you don't understand all the problems I've had. I, 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 it's not fair. That's, that usually comes to our lips. It's not fair that God would save some and not save others. That's what the, what's, that's what the, the, the Jewish people are saying. It's not fair. Your way, your way Lord, is not just. This isn't right. Why should we suffer so? It's a, it's a common objection in the human heart. We must remember what fair is and just is. It is that every person ever conceived, ever born, would spend eternity in hell, separated from God forever in torment. That would be fair because of the justice and holiness of God. The truth is you don't want fair. You want mercy. You want grace. You want forgiveness. <laughs> it's freely offered. Why would you reject it? That's Ezekiel's message. Why will you die? Cling to the false hope of your own goodness. God desires that people turn from death to life. And as a result of turning from death in life, not merely be a religious person, but to be a, a gracious, forgiving person. God's grace produces grace in our lives. And if it doesn't, and that's the message here, you see that all of these sins that pile up by people say, who say they're righteous, 
Well, the truth is that legalistic religion never produces true righteousness. If you if you have been around people who have some kind of legalistic view of salvation, you will know that their life does not reflect righteousness. It appears to, but the truth is, it's full of wickedness, full of hatred, full of, of every kind of vile thing this world has to offer. The gospel produces love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. It, it produces a life of forgiveness. I've been forgiven, so I can't help but forgive others. You know, it is, we don't have the Lord's Supper before us this morning. We do, we do tonight, but part of our preparation is is we're, we're to ask, are we in love and charity with those who profess faith in Christ? You have two choices. When, when somebody offends you or has hurt you, well, you have three, at least, maybe more, but two that I can think of off the top of my head. You can either follow what the scriptures say, Matthew 18, go to your brother in private, deal, deal with that sin directly, or that hurt directly, that's really hard. Or you can just forgive them. You can be mindful of all the ways you've sinned and hurt other people. And just in your heart, say, I forgive you. And not hold a grudge about it. Or you can live in constant bondage and hatred, which is not the mark of a converted person. In Matthew 18, Jesus makes this plain as well. Matthew 18, verse 21. Peter came up to Jesus and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say seven times, but seventy-seven. Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master forgave his debt. But that servant went out and he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarius, a very small sum in comparison. And seizing him, he began to choke him and say, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay his debt. And when his fellow servants saw that it, what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to the master what had taken place. And his master summoned, summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant 
His eye had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. These were the people of Israel that Ezekiel spoke to. These were the people of God. These were the people who claimed they had a relationship with the living God. Their life did not reflect that profession. Does our life reflect the profession of our faith and repentance? This is what makes Ezekiel a true prophet. And that's the last point. It, it seems that Ezekiel got the news that Jerusalem had fallen. I mean, it's, it's an epic message that was delivered to him. It had been prophesied, I think it was back in chapter uh, 27, that, that, that he would get a message from a fugitive. This is, again, one of these incredible fulfillments of prophecy that you see all through Ezekiel. These little things that happen, you go, know, this is pretty amazing. Well, here it's like an internal fulfillment of this prophecy that was made previously, that you're going to get a message from a fugitive that this has happened. Uh, I think it's chapter 24, verse 26, if you want to look at that. Solemn message. And at the same time that he gets this solemn message, it, it's a it, it's it's a again a turning point in in his ministry. Now and now now God says, I'm gonna open your mouth. You're not gonna be you're not gonna be dumb all all the time. You're gonna be able to speak constantly and freely. Uh, I, I, as I said, I think when he was commanded to speak prophetically, he spoke prophetically. I can't see how to make sense out of it any other way, but I could be wrong because some commentators say, no, he just wrote these things down. But now he, he's unbridled. His tongue is loosed. And he can speak constantly the message that God gave him to his family. You could imagine being, uh, if some of you have lived with someone who can't speak, you know what that's like, it's difficult. And all of a sudden he can speak <clears throat> and his subject is restoration, is forgiveness. It's, it's dealing with, with the judgment that has fallen and what will the result of, of that be? It will be the glory of the Lord. They will know that God has spoken. And it has come to pass just as he said it would come to pass.
those who truly profess faith will turn from idols, will turn from the wickedness of all kinds that are, that are outlined in these passages. They won't want to stay in that position. They will want to serve the Lord. And the land will no longer be desolate, but it will be restored. Some will hear that message and some won't. Some will gladly listen to preaching. They love to listen, love to listen to Ezekiel, it says here. In fact, he, the description reminds me of a description of a rock star. Oh, he plays lustful songs and exciting songs. And uh, we love to listen to him, but we don't want to do what he says. And whether they do or not, the result will be they will know that a prophet has been among them. They will know when God's judgment ultimately comes, the distinction between those who have put their faith and trust in the Word of God, who is none less than the Lord Jesus Christ himself, pre-incarnate, and those who have trusted in their own righteousness, who go to destruction. You should ask yourself, what is my position in relationship to Jesus Christ? Is it in union with him? Do I have my faith and trust in him? And is the fruit of my life demonstrative of someone who lives like he's forgiven with humility and love for others? Or is it arrogance? Am I puffed up by knowledge and puffed up by what I've heard to the point where I feel like I don't need to repent? I don't need to do business with God. The question, how you answer that question determines whether you live or die forever. We should answer carefully. Is my faith in Christ such that it causes me to repent, to change, to change my mind, to change my heart, and to change my life? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these words that you've given through your prophet. We're grateful that uh, its application to our lives is eternal. Thank you for the forgiveness of sins. Father, if anyone here has yet to choose life in Christ, we pray now that they would do so and turn from death to life. And we pray in Jesus' name.